1: States and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Birds of a Feather.
2: It is three o'clock in the morning of February 23rd, 1940. A cold rain is falling in the town of Baker, Texas. A car drives slowly through the darkness, comes to a stop near the Union High School. The two occupants sit looking up the street toward the school grounds. Hold down the window, Freddy. You can see better.
3: What? Oh, sure, Ben, sure.
2: Yeah, we got it set for 8.45 this morning. You come down this street heading for the school, we'll be right here waiting for him.
3: Yeah, but... Suppose don't you?
2: He will. Ain't I mean, I've been checking it every day for a week?
3: Yeah, but suppose they don't.
2: suppose something goes wrong. Nothing's gonna go wrong. Joe's out the shack now. We want to have everything ready for him. You'll be driving then, and we... What's the matter with you, Freddy? You ain't even listening. Uh, sure, sure. Heard every word to say. Well, what did I say? Uh, Joe's out at the shack. Uh, uh... And what? Well, I guess I must have missed a rest. Yeah, you must have. You're scared, ain't you, Freddy? Ain't you? Okay, so I'm scared. Who wouldn't be on a job like this? Look, Ben, why don't we stick to filling stations? We're making a living. A living? Fifteen bucks here, twenty there. What kind of living's that? We'll get more off this job than we're hitting our hundred filling stations. I don't like it, Ben. I just don't like it. All right, let's get out of here. Roll up your window. All right. I'll tell you something, Freddy. Joe ain't gonna be happy when he finds out you've been crying like this. I know, but Now, shut up and listen. This thing we got planned, it's big. We can't afford no slip-ups. Just relax. Three of us always done all right. sure, but we never tried nothing like this before. Oh, sure, if it goes okay, you win a lot. But if... If you lose, it's for good. We ain't gonna lose. Well, I... Okay, Ben. You're set for the job. I, I won't argue. Only... I'm pulling out. You what? Well, I can't help it if I'm scared, can I? Oh, well, why would you say something? Oh, look, Ben, you, you ain't joking handle a job. I don't need train, man. I, I might just louse you up. Yeah. Yeah, you just might. Well, I, I wouldn't do you no good feeling like I do, you know. I, I'll catch a train back to Dallas this morning. Sure, Freddy, sure. I wouldn't want you to do nothing you're scared of. Oh, I'm sure glad you feel that way, Ben. I was afraid you'd be sore. Me, Freddie? No. We've been through too much together for me to get sore at you. Now, if you don't want to... It... What's the matter, man? The car feels funny. It must be this old road. No, it ain't the road. It feels like the back tire's flat. Maybe I'd better stop. Get the flash out of the dashboard and take a look, huh, Freddy? All right. You see anything? Right rear looks Okay.
4: Well,
2: so it's wet out here. What about this one? Bring the light over.
5: All right. Well,
2: that looks okay, too. What well, can you imagine the things, man? Yeah. Hammer the flash, Freddy. Sure, yeah. Now, let's get... Ben... What you doing with the gun? You were right, Freddy. Joe and me can't handle the job alone. We don't need you. Ben, no. Like you said yourself, you might loss us up. Well, I said I was late in town. you never hear from me again. Yeah, but I... you'll know about the job, Freddy. You'll know who done it. Man,
6: don't be crazy. Ben,
2: ben! Shortly after seven that morning, a farmer on his way to town noticed a man lying in some brush by the side of the road. He was still alive, but unconscious. While an ambulance took him to the hospital in Baker, the sheriff requested the assistance of a Texas Ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, joining the sheriff in the hospital waiting room an hour later. Hello, Sheriff. Howdy, Jace. Glad you could make it so quick. Uh, I was over in the next county. This man who was shot, is he still alive? Just barely. Doc said he'd call me if there's any change. Find any identification? Draft card we found on him said Fred Meter Gave his home as Dallas. You ever see him around before? No, he might have been just passing through, Baker. The report I got said he was found on a side road outside of town. That's right. About two miles up the old Copper Canyon Road. Probably wasn't just passing through then. Sounds more like he was heading for someplace around here. Maybe you're right. I'm hoping he can tell us about it directly. I better send his name and description into headquarters anyhow. Maybe they can give us a lead. here's the doc now. Hmm. Anything new, Doc? You and the Ranger better come with me, Sheriff. Sure. Come on, Jase. Is Meter conscious, Doctor? Uh, Not yet. But there's a chance he may be any minute. You think he'll be able to talk? If he regains consciousness at all, he'll probably be able to talk. Think he might die without coming to? It's possible. He's lost a lot of blood. And the bullet's entered his left lung. Here we are. You can leave him now, nurse. I'll stay with him. Looks the same as it did a while back, Doc. Mm, not quite. Pulse a little weaker, respiration slower. I'm afraid he's just about finished. No chance of his pulling through. Huh? Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's coming too. How about it, Doc? Well, sometimes just before then, mm-hmm. they do.
5: Mm-hmm. You see? He's
2: opening his eyes. Is all right if I talk to him now? Certainly. Fred. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I think he did hear you, jeez, Who shot you, Fred? Tell us, who shot you?
5: Well, look, Jace, he's
2: trying to say something. Yeah. John Warren. John Warren. Just a minute, Sheriff. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ranger Yeah Thanks, Doctor Let's go, Sheriff You know the name John Warren, Sheriff? I sure do, Jace. Well, this meter fella he's all wrong Why, John Warren's one of the leading citizens in Baker Does he live nearby? About a mile out of town Jase, this don't make sense. I know John well. He wouldn't have any connection with a kid like that. That's something we'd better make sure of. Come on, Sheriff. We're going to visit Mr. Warren. It was 9.30 a.m. when we left the hospital. I phoned headquarters, gave them all the information I had on Fred Meter, and asked for a report as quickly as possible. Then we headed for John Warren's home. It was a rambling ranch type house set back in the low hills just outside town. Mr. Warren opened the door for us himself. Howdy, John. Well, Sheriff, sure, this is a pleasant surprise. Come in, come in. Thanks. This is Ranger Pearson, John. Howdy, Ranger. Come on, over here by the fire. Huh? Well, sit down, sit down. Yeah, sure glad you stopped by. I'm afraid this isn't a social call, Mr. Warren. Oh? Well, no matter. Glad to see you anyhow. It gets lonely around here. Boys at school all day. (laughs) You know, sometimes I think I shouldn't have retired so young. (laughs) You and the sheriff want some coffee, Ranger? No, thanks. I'd like to ask you some questions, Mr. Warren. Well, sure. Go ahead. Early this morning, a young man named Fred Meter was shot on a side road near Baker. That's so? Well, sorry to hear it. Sorry to hear it. It don't help the town to have things like that happen here. Oh, no reflection on you, Sheriff. Uh, you know who shot the fellow? I'm coming to that. The Sheriff and I were with him in the hospital just before he died. He mentioned your name. My name? Well, why, that's crazy. I, I didn't know this, uh... This... Fred Meader. Yeah, Fred Meader. I've never even heard of him. Well, Sheriff, you and me have been friends for near ten years. You, you don't believe this stuff, do you? He did mention your name, John. Well, I, I don't know what to say. I, I just don't know what to say. You haven't always lived around here, have you, Mr. Warren? No, no. I moved here ten years ago after my wife died. And where'd you live before? Dallas. Got some oil leases near there. Fred Meader was from Dallas, too. You sure you didn't know him? Ranger, you've got to believe me. I, I don't know what this is all about, but uh, there's some mistake somewhere that, that there's got to be. Maybe there is, Mr. Warren. But until we find out what it is... We'd like you to stay in town. Let's go, Sheriff. We drove back to the sheriff's office, arriving there just before noon. Sheriff went in to talk to his deputy while I stayed at the trailer to give charcoal his feet bag. Five minutes later, I joined the sheriff in his office. Jeez, look at this, will you? Uh, what is it? Message from Austin. Deputy just gave it to me. Anything about Fred Meter? You bet there is. Fred Meter had a record. Three convictions for larceny. Filling station jobs. Anything else? Yeah. Seems he worked with a gang. Picked up each time with two other fellas. Ben Morphy and Joe Wills. That could be something. We'll get out a pickup on them. Uh, there's something else, Jace. Fred Meter, Ben Morphy, and Joe Wills all worked at one time for the Warren Oil Company. John Warren's outfit? That's it. Get your hat, Sheriff. I've just thought of a few more questions to ask Mr. Warren. Kind of funny you don't answer. His car's still in the garage. Try again, Sheriff. Who's there? Ranger Pearson and Sheriff Holmes. Go away. You better open up, John. I said Go away. I had him all wrong, Jason. Let me handle it, Sheriff. All right, Mr. Warren. If you want it that way, we'll be back with a warrant for your arrest. Why do you want to come around bothering me? Why don't you go away and leave me be? Let us in, John. Hi. Come on. Uh, why didn't you want to see us, Mr. Warren? I I can't tell you. All right, we'll skip that for a minute. This morning you said you didn't know Fred Meter. That's right. How many times have I got to tell you? How about Ben Morphy and Joe Wills? You know them? I never heard of them. Now, why don't you go away and leave me be? Mr. Warren, all three of those men worked for your oil company. Well, maybe they did. Had hundreds of men working for me. I didn't know all the names. What's that got to do have with... Have you forgotten that Fred Meter named you just before he died? Not... No. You want to tell us why he did? All right, I'll tell you. I didn't know when you were here before, and now I do. It wasn't me that Meter was talking about. He said your name, John. I heard him. It wasn't my name. Did you ever stop to think that I... I've got a son. Young Johnny? But he's just a kid. Yeah, just a kid. And they're going to kill him. My boy. Mr. Warren. They said if I told the police they'd kill him. I don't want him to die, Ranger, you hear me? I want my boy alive. Easy now, John. what's the? Don't about you understand it? this this note I just got. They've kidnapped my boy.
3: And now back to tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue
1: now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story,
2: Birds of a Feather. The kidnap note had arrived in the mail that morning, but Warren had not picked it up until a few minutes before we arrived. It was a crudely printed message, unsigned and mailed the night before in Baker. It asked $10,000 for the return of the boy. The money was to be brought in $50 bills to a shack in Copper Canyon at 4 o'clock that afternoon. It was now 15. While we read the note, one paced back and forth across the room. John walking back and forth like that ain't gonna do no good. Why don't you sit down? Sure, you can say that. It's not your boy they got out there in the cold. Now, John, that ain't fair. You know I feel bad about this. I know you do, Sheriff. i I'm sorry. Mr. Warren, are you sure they've actually picked up your son? Well, they must have. I called the school right after I got the note. Johnny never showed up there today. That means they've had him since before nine this morning. What's the use of talking about it? Just let me leave the money and get my boy back. We'd like to help you get him back. You've read what it said in the note. If I bring the police in, they'll kill him. Mr. Warren, what I'm going to say will sound pretty blunt, but I want you to think about it. No, I can't think. Now, just a minute. You must believe that once the kidnappers get the money, they're going to take the trouble to bring your son back. Well, I... ranger's right, John. They wouldn't do that. Too much risk getting caught. Well, you, you mean that even if I leave the money, that they'll kill Johnny? I'm not saying they will, but they might. Look at it this way. Sure, the note said they'd bring your son back, but did it say when or how? Well, no. I've seen a lot of these cases, Mr. Warren. I know how tragically most of them end because the victim doesn't call in the police. All right. What do you want me to do? First of all, you've got to understand one thing. We'll do our best to help you, but it's humanly impossible to guarantee anything. I understand that, Ranger. Good. Now, let's see. It's 1.20. How long will it take us to get to Copper Canyon, Sheriff? Well, if we cut across the back of this ranch, it shouldn't take us over 20 minutes on horses. Good. You got a horse for the Sheriff, Mr. Warren? We sure have corrals full of them. Is there some place we can watch the shack without being seen? I reckon the best place would be along the rim of the canyon. It wouldn't spot us there. I don't suppose you have all that cash handy, Mr. Warren. But I'll have to get it from the bank. You know any of the bank officials well? The president. One of my best friends. I'll get the money directly from him. Have him mark the bills and record the serial numbers. Well, he'll want to know why. Tell him, but ask him not to say anything to anybody. All right, Ranger. we will be taken off now. You can ride to the canyon as soon as you have the money. You, uh, you want me to leave it there just like they said? That's right. We'll be watching. And we're going to count on catching whoever picks it up. I contacted headquarters by radio and requested an area blockade of the region around Baker. Then the sheriff and I started off. It was 2 o'clock when we reached the rim of Copper Canyon. An icy wind was blowing in from the north. We dismounted and eased over to the edge of the ridge. The shack was clearly visible 200 yards below. We waited. At 3.55, we spotted Warren riding up the canyon. He's right on time, Jace. You reckon somebody's waiting for him in that shack? Maybe. Shouldn't be long before we find out. Don't it strike you funny that they only asked 10000 John must be worth close to a million. They could have got 50,000 easy. This is a small-time larceny gang, Sheriff. 10,000 must look pretty big to them. Yeah. Poor John. Sure hope we can get that kid back to him. I'll going to make a good try. There he goes. Opening the door of the shack. Uh Uh-huh. Better get ready. If there's anybody in there, we don't want to lose him. I'm ready. But one of the kidnappers is in there. You could pluck him easy with that rifle when he comes out. Wouldn't be any good, Sheriff. And we'd never find out where they're hiding the boy. There's John again. Jace, he's waving at us to come down. Now, what else... Come on, Sheriff. Let's go down and see what he wants. There's something I don't like about this, Jace. Why would John beckon us down here like he did? There's only one way to find out. We'll know in a minute. I don't see him around. He must have gone back into the shack. Oh, oh, Charky, oh boy! Be careful moving in, Sheriff. Maybe some kind of trap. Mister Warren, it's all right, Ranger. Come on in. Look, look what's in this cage. I'll be darned! The pigeons. What's that strapped on their backs? Capsules to carry messages or money. They're homing pigeons, Sheriff. I knew it wouldn't work, Ranger. These men are clever. They don't take chances. Did they leave any instructions? Yes. Yes. Listen. What's it say, Jase? Mr. Warren's supposed to divide the money in ten parts and put it in those capsules on the pigeons. Yes, and then I release the pigeons and they fly wherever the men are. we we'll are lift, Ranger. I'm not so sure. But if I don't do like they say, they'll kill my boy. You'll do exactly as they say, Mr. Warren. Because these pigeons are going to lead us to your son. But, Jace, we can't follow homing pigeons on horseback. Not alone, Sheriff. We're going to have help. What kind of help? A plane. I'll use that walkie-talkie out there on my saddle. Have our nearest unit contact Austin. Ask him to send one of the ranger planes over here. Sounds like a good idea, Jase. Well, suppose they do bring a plane in. How will that help you find my boy? We won't release the pigeons till the plane gets here. Then the air unit will keep radio contact with us and lead us to the place where the pigeons land. You... You reckon it'll work? I hope so. You stay here with Mr. Warren, Sheriff. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I rode to higher ground so my radio signal would carry. I contacted the highway patrol car. It relayed my message to Austin. Headquarters said they could have Unit 902, our Ranger plane overhead, in 25 minutes. Then I went down to the shack again, and we waited. Lane should be getting here any time now, Jase. I wish they'd hurry. Thought I heard it a second ago. Yeah, there it is. In from the southeast. Where? Oh, I see it now. How about the pigeons, Mr. Warren? They're all ready to go. Bring the cage out of the shack, will you, Sheriff? Sure. You uh, think the plane sees us yet? I don't know, but I can call him now. Unit 10 to Unit 902. Go ahead, Unit 902. Unit 902 to Unit 10.
4: I'm directly above Copper Canyon. Indicate your position.
2: Unit 10 next to shack at north end of canyon floor. Can you spot us? Gotcha. Relay instructions. Pigeons are all set, Chase. Fine. This unit will release 10 pigeons. Follow them and locate landing place. Request you maintain radio contact with us. Stand by for release of pigeons. 10-4, unit 902, clear. All right, Sheriff. Open the cage and let the pigeons go. They're not wasting any time getting away. We've held it up too long. We're half an hour late now. Don't worry, Mr. Warren. The men are waiting probably think they're pretty safe. Pigeons are heading east, Jason. We're going ahead in that direction, too. Get in touch with you as soon as possible, Mr. Warren. Let's go, Sheriff. Get up, John. Get out. We've been riding for over ten minutes, Chase. Shouldn't we be hearing from your plane? Uh, he's probably got more than he can do just keeping his eye on those pigeons. We'll hear from him. I sure hope it soon. Gets dark early these days. It could be him coming in now. Unit nine oh two to unit ten. Unit ten to nine oh two. Go ahead. This unit has got off motor. I'm gliding to avoid detection. Is my signal clear? Signal clear, nine oh two. The old Martinez shack, jeez, Been empty for years. Sounds like it's occupied now. Thanks, 902. We'll take it from here. Unit 10, clear. 10-4, 902, clear. How far is the Martinez shack from here, Sheriff? Four miles, maybe. Five at the most. And we got a knock on it, Sheriff. No telling what their plans are now. Get up, Charlie. Come, Come on, boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Easy. Oh, boy. We didn't make it any too soon. Getting dark already. Better leave the horses here. Wonder if they're still inside the shack. Here's your answer, Sheriff. Car hidden in that brush. Must have driven up this dry wash. Uh Uh-huh. How do you figure to take him, James? They won't be expecting us. Best way is to break in and get him before they can hurt that boy. If they haven't hurt him already. Yeah. When we get to the door, wait till I give the word to go in. You, Jace. Come on. Pigeons. At least we know we got the right place. Uh huh. You ready, Sheriff? Whatever you say. Now! Hey, tell the cops! Watch every day. Oh, all right, Jace? Yeah. You sure took this
3: one? He's dead
2: in the doornail. I think we just nicked the other one. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt bad. Nah, it's only your shoulder. Where's the boy? in the back room. See if he's all right, Sheriff. sure. Your name's Joe Wills? No. Joe's over there. Get me to a doctor, will you? Young Warren's all T-Side. Right, I'm untying him. Good. And you must be Ben Morphy. Yeah. Get me to a doctor. <laughs> oh, my shoulder. There's nothing wrong with your legs, Ben. Get up. It's a long trip to Huntsville, and you're walking the first part.
1: just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard.
3: There's man-to-man adventure in store for you Tuesday night with Cavalcade of America and the man called X. Gregory Peck will be heard as a prisoner named Brown when Cavalcade of America tells the story of the man who instituted widespread prison reforms by becoming a voluntary inmate. It was in 1931 that Thomas Osborne, a former mayor of Auburn, New York, visited the governor of New York to see what could be done to make Sing Sing more effective. He saw the same men return again and again for new prison sentences. Working from the point of view that prisons should be repair shops and not scrap heaps, he entered the prison to find out firsthand about the conditions in penal institutions. His discoveries and improvements led to his becoming warden of the self-same prison in which he was a prisoner. You'll hear this story Tuesday on the Cavalcade of America. And also on Tuesday over most NBC stations, Herbert Marshall takes over as the man called X with stories of intrigue in the far-off corners of the world. Hear Herbert Marshall as the man called X Tuesday on this station of the NBC radio network. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers.
1: And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Soon after the arrest,
2: Ben Morphy confessed to the killing of the third member of the gang, Fred Meter. He was tried and convicted on dual counts of kidnapping and first-degree murder. On August 31st, 1941, he died in the electric chair at Huntsville
1: Penitentiary. Next week, Joel McCrae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Included Tony Barrett, Bill Conrad, Ed Bagley, Ernie Newton, and Bill Johnstone. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking.
3: Next, it's The Big Show All This and Tallulah 2 on NBC.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members.
3: For the ones who get it done.
1: Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Names, dates, and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Clip Job.
2: It is 10 o'clock on the evening of January 24th, 1950. A bitter wind whips through the streets in the North Texas town of Bolton. As the clock in the town hall strikes the hour, an elderly woman makes her way toward a lighted drugstore.
6: Well, thank you, Mr. Garrow. Thank you. Uh, good night. Can I help you, ma'am?
7: Are you Mr. Crando? Yes, ma'am. People told me you know everybody here in town. Well,
6: ma'am, I reckon I do. I've had this drugstore twenty-three years. Do you know a man named George Collie? Collie, Collie? No, ma'am, I, I don't believe I do. Um, uh, what's did he look like?
7: Well, he's a big man, kind of stout, with gray hair. He's in the oil business.
6: Well, ma'am, I might be wrong, but I don't recall anybody looks like that by the name of Collie. Course, he could be new around town. Oh, no. He said he's lived here for years. So, you asked anybody else in town if they knew
7: him? Yes. I've asked all day. Hm. And you sure you got the right town? Mr. Carly said Bolton. He told me he lived on Coursey Street.
6: That's right, ma'am. We got a Coursey Street here.
7: I went to the address he gave me. People there never heard of Mr. Carly. I guess I've come a long way.
6: Or well, nothing. I'm sorry, ma'am.
7: You've been very kind. Oh,
6: not at all. Anything else I can help you with?
7: I'll just look around a little, if you don't mind. Why, sure, sure. Just take your time. I'll
6: go ahead wrapping up these orders.
7: Mr. Crandall. Yes, ma'am? That bottle up there, how much does it cost?
6: Um. Uh... This one? The
7: large one, just above it, with a red label.
6: Oh, that bottle's not for sale, ma'am. We sell it by the ounce. How much is it, an ounce? dollar and a quarter. But it's poison, ma'am. You'll need a prescription to buy it. Prescription? Yes, ma'am, from your doctor. Oh.
7: Well, thank you
6: very much. <laughs> you feeling all right, ma'am? Yes. I'm all right. Well, you don't look so good to me, ma'am. You better come over here to the soda fountain and sit down. Please leave me alone. Uh,
5: uh.
6: Ma'am, ma'am. Operator, operator. Get me Doc Holmes and hurry.
2: woman was taken to the county hospital where she was found to be in the first stage of starvation. Some letters in her handbag identified her as Mrs. Agnes Howell of Minden. Early the next morning, she regained consciousness and was able to talk. Upon hearing a story, Sheriff Ted Dreyer asked for assistance from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned and joined the sheriff at the hospital shortly after 8
4: o'clock. Sure glad you got here so quick, Jace. This one's a little too rough for me to handle.
2: Uh, Give me a fill-in before we see Mrs.
4: Howell. Well, Jace, I could, but I'd rather have you hear it direct from her. Uh, No, down this way. They had to put her in a charity ward. Didn't she have any relatives up in the town where she came from? Minden? Nope, I checked. Her husband died four months ago. She didn't have nobody else. You know, Jace, that poor old lady hadn't eaten in 48 hours? No money. When I went through her pocketbook for identification, I found 13 cents. Here we are. Ms. Howell's a third bed down. Mm-hmm. Morning, Howe. Howell. Uh, Ms. Howell, this is Ranger Pearson. I'd like you to tell him everything you told me.
7: What's the use? He can't get my money back. Six thousand dollars. All I had in the world. Gone.
2: Somebody stole your money, ma'am?
7: I didn't know who was going to steal it. Mr. Colley. He seemed like such a fine man. Everything he said, I believed. Oh, I'm so ashamed.
4: (laughs) Now, now, Miss Howell. I'm sorry.
7: I'm all right now.
2: This Mr. Colley, do you know his first name?
7: George. He seemed like the kind of man you could trust. Big and... Sort of stout with nice gray hair. When he came come to the house, he said he'd been a friend of my husband's.
2: How long ago was this, ma'am?
7: Well, a month, I think. When I told him my husband was dead, he seemed so upset. He said he had a check for my husband. $500 was the profit from one of Mr. Colley's oil wells.
2: Had your husband ever said anything to you about investing in an oil well?
7: No. But lots of people around Menden have made money from oil. I didn't think there was anything wrong.
2: Did Mr. Collie give you the check?
7: Well, no. He said he wanted to do me a favor. Said he'd double my $500 in three days. When he come back, he told me he'd done even better. He had $1,200 for me.
2: And then he said if you'd put the rest of your money to it, he'd make a lot more. Is that it?
7: He told me I'd get at least $50,000. How did you know?
2: I just had an idea. You gave him the money, didn't you, ma'am?
7: Yes, I did. He promised me $50,000. Seemed like such a lot.
2: It is, ma'am. And so is your 6000 When did you first get suspicious of Mr. Collie?
7: About two weeks after he left. He said he'd be back in a week. When he didn't
4: show up for a month, Miss Howell decided to come over here to Bolton and look for him. I had to.
7: There wasn't any more food in the house. I was
6: ashamed to go to the neighbors. Our life savings. I was such a fool.
4: I'd like to get my hands on this Collie fellow for
2: just five minutes. I hope I can oblige you, Sheriff. Mrs. Howell, when Collie was in your town, did he stay at a hotel?
7: Yes, he did. The Fuller Hotel. It's the only one in Minden. Mr. Carly seemed like such a nice man. I still can't believe it.
2: That's just what he counted on, ma'am. Come on, Sheriff. Let's take a ride over to Minden.
4: Turn right at the next corner, Jace. Fuller Hotel's at the end of the block. Uh huh. You know, there's one thing I can't understand. How did this callie know to come right to Ms. Howell?
2: It's an old racket, Sheriff. He's what we call a hearse chaser. Scouts around till he finds a widow with a little bit of money, and then he goes to work.
4: But how did he happen to find Ms. Howell?
2: He didn't just happen. Probably used the local newspaper. Checked the obituary columns for a few months back and picked out his victim very carefully. The rest was easy. Yeah, too easy. Sounds like he really knows his business. If he's the one I think he is, he's one of the smartest. i have been after him over a year. Haven't been able to get close to him, huh? Not yet. Most of the women he swindled don't come to us till months after it's happened. Mm, that makes it tough, all right. Here's the hotel, James. Yeah.
4: You sure we're doing right coming over here to Minden? Seems like a mighty cold trail.
2: No trail's ever cold, Sheriff. Not as long as it's a trail. And This is one I want to follow right to the end
4: clerks don't seem to be around. I reckon that'll bring somebody. Sorry, Tent. I was just having a bite of lunch in the back. Oh, Sheriff, I didn't recognize you at first. Um, this is Ranger Pearson. Well, howdy,
2: Ranger. Anything wrong? We'd like to get a little information from you. Well, now, I'd be right proud to answer anything you've got to ask. Always glad to help out a Ranger. Do you remember a man named George Colley? Stayed here about a month ago. Well, that's real funny you asked about Mr. Collie. Oh, Kind of stout fella, gray hair, smokes big black cigars all the time. He the one you mean?
4: You ain't seen him around here lately, have you? Nope. But me and my wife was talking about
2: him just last night. Anything special made you remember him? Hmm, you bet there is. Ain't often a man keeps a big wad of cash in my safe like Mr. Collie did. $6,000 it was.
4: Brought it in the last day he was here. How'd you know it was 6000 I made him count it before he put it in the
2: envelope. All $100 bills it was. I asked him why he didn't put that much money in the bank said he didn't trust banks how long did mr collie stay here two and no three
4: days Yeah, three days oh i never forgot there was something else he put in the safe what was that gold ring with a diamond biggest end of your thumb i said to him sorry joking mr collie you act like we got crooks here in minden and he answers real serious you never know just like that you never know
2: we have a look at his hotel bill uh, Mr. Colley
4: done something wrong? Better just go ahead and get what the
2: ranger asked.
6: Hmm? Oh, sure. I didn't mean to get nosy. I'll have it for you in a minute.
2: What do you want with Collie's Hotel, Bill J? Sometimes they're like diaries, Sheriff, and this one might give us the lead we're looking for.
4: Here you are, ranger. $21.50. Paid in full.
2: Cash. Mm, it's a pretty big bill for three days.
4: Well, he had some cleaning and laundry done. Rush, so it was actually... You can see it right here.
2: Mm-hmm. This item number four, 230 for telephone. Is that for local calls? No, we don't charge for local calls. reckon Mr. Collie must have phoned off town. Any idea who he phoned? That might be real hard to say, Ranger. We just get the charges and put them on the bill. Thanks. Come on, Sheriff Where, where are we going, Jace? down to the phone company. Think we might be onto something? I don't know, but it could be. Mr. Collie left us a little message without knowing it. <laughs> company office, we learned that Collie had called a Miss Sally Ronson in Dallas. The number belonged to a fancy roadhouse near town. I left the sheriff in Bolton and headed for Dallas. On the way, I radioed Company B and asked them to have somebody locate Sally Ronson and keep her under surveillance till I arrived. When I pulled up in front of the roadhouse at 10 that night, Ranger Clay Morgan was waiting for me.
4: Over here, Jase. Hello, Clay.
2: I got your message, Jase. Jack wants me to work with you on the rest of the case. Good. Get a line on Sally Ronson. Uh huh. She Dab dances in the floor show inside. Just watch the end of her act. She's got another show tonight. Let's go in. Sure. Jace, you think this girl is mixed up in the hearse chasing racket with Collie? Mm, it's hard to say. But he called her long distance. That's enough to start on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the manager said her dressing room was down at the end of the hall. How much did Collie get from the old lady in Minden, Jace? Six thousand. Everything her husband left her. Mm. It must have been an awful easy mark. Maybe, but Collie's a pretty sharp article. Is this Sally Ronson's dressing room? Yeah.
7: Just a minute.
2: She sounds a little tired. She's a little frayed at the edges. How
7: much is... Oh, I thought you was the kid from the drugstore.
2: I'm Ranger Pearson, ma'am. This is Ranger Morgan. All right, if we come in for a few minutes?
7: Why not? Excuse me for not having shoes on. I'll go get my slippers.
2: It's all right, ma'am. We just want to ask you a few questions.
7: am getting so. I never want to have shoes on when I'm not dancing. You know how bad it makes you feel when your feet get tired. Yes, ma'am. Sit down. No, thanks. Seems like I'm tired all the time now. <laughs> uh, seven years of dancing in places like this. What kind of questions do you want to ask?
2: You know a man named George Collie? No, should I? He phoned you from a town called Minden about a month ago.
7: <laughs> Lots of men phoned me. You get the idea I'm glamorous because I'm a show gal. Huh. Glamorous, with swollen feet.
2: You sure you don't remember hearing from George Collie?
7: Ranger, look, I'd like to help you, but I don't even know him.
2: Now, well, let's try again. It's a middle aged man, stout, gray hair, smokes strong cigars.
7: Oh, him? Well, why didn't you say so? The oil man. The. But... His name's George Connor.
2: Is that what he told you it was?
7: Yeah, I guess he's got two names.
2: Or 20. Why did he call you?
7: To make a date. He always takes me out when he's near where I'm playing. He makes me tired with all these big talk, but he buys a good dinner. He in trouble?
2: Yeah. You seen him recently?
7: Uh-huh. A week, maybe 10 days ago.
2: You expect to see him again soon, Miss Ronson?
7: Look, Rangers, I can't afford to get mixed up in nothing. Bad publicity would
2: ruin my bookings. We'll see you don't get mixed up in it. When are you supposed to see him again?
7: Tomorrow. Club's closed and I don't have to work. He's coming in town. Said he'd pick me up at my place at six. Want me to call you when he gets in?
2: No, ma'am. If you don't mind, we'll wait there with you. This is one date we're all gonna keep together. <laughs>
1: In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson.
3: Here's an important message about a serious problem. During the last four infantile paralysis epidemics, a total of $79 million was spent by the March of Dimes Fund in caring for those stricken with this dread disease. These were the four worst infantile paralysis epidemics in history. The funds are now gone. This is a crisis, and it can become a disaster. Unless you help more generously than ever before, thousands of crippled children might never walk again. Imagine the feelings of the young parents of a three-year-old when they hear the terrible diagnosis verdict, your child has infantile paralysis. Thousands of parents heard those words last year. By contributing to the March of Dimes, you can speed the day when those words need never be spoken again. You, by your contribution, can speed the research, research which is now pressing forward so hopefully toward an early solution to polio. Join the 1952 March of Dimes today. Send contributions to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Remember, this fight is yours. And now, back to the Texas Rangers. We continue now
1: with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Clip Job.
2: We put out a bulletin on George Collie with instructions to pay special attention to the area around Dallas. The next day we staked out in the lobby of Sally Ronson's hotel on the chance that Collie might show up early. A little after five we joined her in a room and waited for Collie to keep his six o'clock date. At six thirty he hadn't arrived. Sally made coffee for us on a hot plate she kept in her room.
7: Can't understand why he don't show up.
2: He's never missed a date with you before, has he, Miss Ronson?
7: No. Here's your coffee, Ranger. It's not very strong, but it's hot.
2: Thanks. Thanks, ma'am.
7: I wish I'd never got mixed up with him. I didn't know he was a crook.
2: Eh, it's not your fault.
7: Suppose he puts up a fight when he sees you here. He might have a gun.
2: Men like Collie don't often carry guns, ma'am. No need to get upset, Miss Ronson. You just relax and let us worry about Collie. Yeah.
7: You got a coin for the radio, Ranger?
2: Hmm? Oh, sure. Here.
7: Thanks. You've never been this late before.
2: Jace, you don't think he spotted us when we came up here, do you? No, I doubt it. He probably doesn't have any idea we're after him.
7: Ranger, I can't help it. I'm getting scared. Couldn't I go somewhere and let you wait for him here?
2: I'm afraid not, ma'am. I can't take the chance of him seeing you on the street.
7: But if he comes...
2: Answer it, ma'am.
7: It might be him. What'll I say?
2: Just what you would ordinarily. Don't let him think there's anything wrong.
7: I'll try. All right, operator. Hey, turn off the radio. I'll
3: get the radio, Jess.
7: Well, hello there. Oh? Well, if it can't be helped. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, it's all right. Yeah. And so long. It was him. Said he had some business and can't get to Dallas till day after tomorrow.
2: Did he say where he was calling from?
7: He didn't, but the operator said the call was from
2: Wilford. Wilford? See, that's about 150 miles from here. Uh-huh. Oil country. Chances are Collie's working another clip job. Jace, you figure we might be able to pick him up there? We'll give it a try. Call headquarters, Clay. Get them to cover this hotel. We're going to head for Wilford. We arrived in Wilford late that night. Check of the hotels failed to locate Collie. Early the next morning, we went to the local newspaper office. We learned that a man answering Collie's description had been in a week before going over back issues. We checked the obituary columns of the same issues and got the names of four newly widowed women who might qualify as Collie's intended victim. We called at their houses and made inquiries. Just before noon, a Mrs. Helen Petrie gave us the break we were looking for.
8: Why, yes, I know the man you're talking about, but... His name's not Carly, it's Sanders.
2: How long have you known this, Mr. Sanders?
8: Well, I've only known him a week, but he was a good friend of my husband's.
2: Did he tell you that, ma'am?
8: Yes, he did. And he's the most honorable man I ever met. He brought me $500 he said he owed my husband. From
2: an oil investment?
8: That's right. And he was so disturbed when he heard my husband had died. Said he just had to do something for me.
2: He took the $500 away with him, didn't he, ma'am?
8: Well, yes, but three days later he was back, and you know he had $900 with him, all for me.
2: Did he say anything then about you investing more money so you could make an even bigger profit?
8: Indeed he did. Matter of fact, I've got a check ready for him now, $5,200. Ranger, how do you know about all this?
2: This may come as a shock to you, ma'am, but your Mr. Sanders is one of the slickest swindlers in Texas.
8: Swindler? Why, well, that's downright ridiculous. Mr. Sanders is one of the finest men I ever met. I don't believe any of these things you're saying about him.
2: I'm afraid what Ranger Pearson says is true, ma'am. We know of at least one woman who's already lost all her savings because she trusted him.
8: But Mr. Sanders wouldn't do a thing like that. You're sure you're not mistaken, Ranger.
2: There's no mistake, ma'am. This man's a criminal.
8: Why, well, I... Well, I don't know what to say. It makes me feel weak all over. Mr. Sanders, he he seemed so kind and and so honest. I know, ma'am,
2: and we're sorry to have to tell you that he isn't.
8: What can I do? He's coming to pick up the check. When? Two o'clock today. I I just don't know what I'm going to do.
2: We'd like you to see him, ma'am, and we want you to give him your check, just the way you planned to do.
8: Well, I don't understand, Ranger. Would you
2: give us permission to set up a hidden microphone in this room?
8: Of course, but whatever for?
2: We want to have a record of this man at work, just for our own use.
8: You mean you want me to talk to Mr. Sanders like like nothing's happened?
2: That's right. And don't worry, ma'am. We'll be right in the next room.
8: Oh, it's not that. It's Well, I'm not sure if I can face him knowing what I do now. I never was much good at acting.
2: Just do your best, ma'am. That's all we can ask. Clay? Yeah, Jason? How about pulling the car into a side street where it can't be seen and bring the tape recorder back with you? Sure. Better step on it. Got a lot to do before 2 (laughs) o'clock. Sorry to be moving your furniture around, ma'am, but I have to get this microphone set. It's
8: nearly two o'clock, Ranger.
2: And I'm just about finished. Uh-huh. Now, well, we'll try a test with Ranger Morgan in the next room. Testing, Clay. Rap on the wall if I'm coming through. All right, Mrs. Petrie. We're ready for your visitor.
8: Oh, I've never been so nervous in all my life.
2: You'll do, all right. Just be as natural as you can.
8: Ranger, you sure now you want me to give him the check? It's
2: very important that you do.
8: Oh, I wish I
2: wasn't so nervous. I better get into the next room.
8: Uh, Ranger, I I think it.
2: Good luck, ma'am. All set to record, Jace. Mrs. Petrie, as scared as she sounds? Yeah, she's pretty nervous. You think she'll be able to carry it off? It's a chance we have to take. Boy, you didn't get in here with any time to spare. Yeah. Give me that other set of earphones. Here. Ah, Thanks.
8: Why, uh, hello, Mr. Sanders.
6: Howdy, ma'am. Good to see you again.
8: Uh, won't you come in? Well, thank you,
6: ma'am.
8: I've got the check all ready for you. Oh,
6: there's no hurry on that, ma'am. Mostly, I just stopped by to have a nice, friendly chat with you. Mr. Vance, oh. Yes.
8: Well, uh, won't you sit down? Thank you, ma'am. Uh, ah,
6: sure is nice to sit a spell in a warm house on a cold day like today. Oh, no
8: yes, yes, it is cold
6: out. Ma'am, if you don't mind my saying so, you don't seem like yourself today. I I don't. No, ma'am. Seems like you're upset about
8: something. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm perfectly all right. Now,
6: ma'am, don't try to fool me. I might not be much of a hand with the ladies, but I do know when a friend's feeling upset, and I reckon I know just what's troubling you. You do? Yes, ma'am. It's that business deal we were talking over yesterday. Now you just put your mind at ease. If it's going to worry you, we'll forget the whole thing.
8: Oh, no, no, no. I I want you to take the chance. Well,
6: ma'am, you won't regret it for sure. Another month's time, you'll be a rich woman. But I understand how you feel. And you know your husband was such a fine fellow. I'd hate to think of his widow worrying over money.
8: Oh, oh, it's all right, Mr. Sanders. I'm not a bit worried. Sure
6: you are, and I don't blame you. Probably seems like a right lot of money to let go of, even if it is only for a short time. Well, I'll uh, tell you what. If, uh... And if you feel like you can't afford it right now, you just tear up that check. He's
5: playing No, uh,
8: no I, I thought it over and my mind's made up. I, I do want to go into your business. Well,
6: all right, ma'am. But only if you're sure you want to. Well,
8: the check's in my desk. I'll, 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 oh,
6: what a shame, ma'am. Such a pretty face.
8: Oh, I'm so clumsy. I better clean up the pieces for somebody to come. Oh, you,
6: you just let me handle that, ma'am. I'll have it up right away.
8: Thank you. I'll go get the check in the meantime.
6: It's is crazy if he hasn't noticed something long
8: by now. Uh-huh.
6: There we are,
8: ma'am. And here's the check, Mr. Sanders. Fifty-two hundred dollars.
6: Well, Mrs. Petrie, now that you have made up your mind, I can tell you you've made the what? Ma'am, your hand's shaking.
8: It's nothing.
6: I... You know, ma'am, I just got a hunch we shouldn't do business today. I'll be back to see you some other day. Mr. Sanders!
2: Casey's taking off.
5: Goodbye, ma'am. Come on. I'm sorry, Rangers. I just
6: couldn't...
2: That's all right, ma'am. Let's stop him, Clay. Right. Jace is in his car.
6: Hold it, Collie.
4: You got his tire, Jace. Yeah, let's go.
6: Don't move, Collie. You're covered. All right. Get out of the car. What's this all about, Rangers?
2: You might have killed me. It would have been too good for you,
6: Collie. What are you calling me, Collie, for? My name's Sanders. You must have a tough time keeping track of all your
2: names. Put out your hands, Collie. You're under arrest. Arrest? What for? Swindling.
6: Me? You're making a mistake, Ranger.
2: No, Collie. You made the mistake when you swindled Agnes Howell over in Minden. Agnes Howell? I don't know anybody by that name. I think she'll know you. Come on, Collie. She's been a long time looking for you. Let's not keep her waiting any longer. (laughs)
1: In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard.
6: George Colley was brought to trial on March 13, 1950. During the two months preceding his trial, Agnes Howell and three other women from various parts of the state
2: filed charges against him for fraud. Of the $6,000 Mrs. Howell had lost, $3,800 was recovered and returned. On April 26, 1950, George Colley was sentenced to 20 years in Huntsville Penitentiary.
1: Next week, Joel McCrae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. cast included Tony Barrett, Ken Christie, Virginia Gregg, Parley Bear, Ernie Newton, Herb Ellis, and Lillian Byam. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacey Keach. Hal Gibney speaking.
0: Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.